So while you're doing all that, I want you to get out that note-taking sheet. And if you have a uh, pen, you can follow along and you can fill in some of those blanks. But, and I, got, I want everyone to hear this. I want you to get your Bible out and I want you to turn to Psalm 103. It's about in the middle of your Bible. You can almost like literally crack it right down the middle and you'll find the book of Psalms and uh, go to Psalm 103 because we're gonna read that today. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, I want you to get out your phone or your iPad or whatever you might have with you, probably your phone, and just, you can go to Bible.com and you can find an online Bible, but I want you to go to Psalm 103 because it's not gonna be up here on the screen, but we're gonna read through the entire chapter. And I don't normally do that um, because it's, it's not super short, but it's not super long, um, but it definitely is a little bit more. And I wanna read it today because of the season that we're in, because just coming out of Thanksgiving, uh, and I don't know how your Thanksgiving was. I, I wonder, was it a day of thanks or was it a day of stress and busyness? I know it's easy for me to get up here and say those things. I don't know what your family situations are like. I don't know what you were facing this past week, whether you were hosting something or had a million things to do. I, I know that's the reality and there's no shame in that. But I also know that sometimes we, we, we go into these times and we're so busy getting to the next thing that it's hard to even stay in the moment. I was talking to a guy after our uh, first service this morning and he said, man, he goes, it just hit me between the eyes today. He said, we got done with Thanksgiving dinner and it was like, all right, pull out the Christmas stuff and we worked the whole rest of the day. And he said, I never actually paused to be thankful. And he goes, it's not that I'm not, but I realized it was, I don't have time to, to live in the moment. I have to go on to the next thing. But what if we intentionally put some, some breaks or some pauses, especially as we head towards Christmas, to, to actually take a breath and experience God's peace and God's joy? Could be something that would be not only uh, kind of fueling for us, but it could actually do that kind of restoration in our own in our own soul. And so now that Thanksgiving is over, maybe we can kind of step past, well, we have to be thankful on that day and here we're in that week, but actually just look ahead to how do we live constantly, not just during this season, but how do we live with a heart that is, that is thankful? About a week or so ago, um, I was putting this message together and I was doing some writing, just doing some research and that's what this message is gonna be today. And I, I woke up early one morning, and it was probably the middle of the night, you know, those moments when you just kind of wake up. And this message was going through my brain, and it was like, well, what am I thankful for? It's one thing to, to talk about gratitude, but like, what, what am I grateful for? And I know that maybe sounds like a phony pastor thing. It's like, oh, really, did you wake up? It's like, yeah, I actually did. And so, of course, I thought of a few things that I'm grateful for really easy to do that, and you probably can too, just right off your top of your head. Thankful for my family, I'm thankful for my wife, thankful for my, my grandson, thank you for my dad, I'm thankful for the home that we, you know, you just have these things. And, and I just felt like the Lord was, was kind of poking at that, going, go deeper. And it, and it wasn't that thing like, oh, what you named is just, like, doesn't matter, like, get some more important things, it wasn't that. But it was actually taking a look at what I had even thought that I was grateful for, and the question of, well, why am I grateful for those things? Why am I grateful for my wife and my family? 
What is it about those things that touches something deeper in me? And so it was this push to, to take it the next, the next step. And, and I wanna dare you today and challenge you as you think about those, those things that stir your heart of gratitude to even go deeper and to be curious about why do those things come to the front? Why do you name those things? Why are they there for you? And so that's kind of what today is gonna to be about is digging a little deeper in that. And I'm gonna give you a challenge at the end um, that I hope will establish some new rhythms in your life towards gratitude. But we're gonna start by reading Psalm 103. And again, a little longer passage today. That's why I want you to follow along. It's not gonna be on the screen. And this was written by King David. And I want you to catch his words, but even beyond that, you remember when you were in literature class in high school and college, and your professor or your teacher would go, yeah, yeah, I know they wrote that, but what's behind the words? What's, what's behind it? And as we read this today, I want you to be thinking, what's behind, what stirred David's passions and his faith and his praise and his heart? What, what moved and motivated him in this, right? The words are powerful, but imagine the heart that, that wrote these. That's what I want you to catch today. So we're gonna start in verse one. I want you to follow along. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart, I'll praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord, and may I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all my sins, and he heals my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust and our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die and the wind blows and we're gone. As though we'd never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. So praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, let all that I am. Praise the Lord. I've read that so many times over these last couple weeks, and this thought came to me as I was reading one of those times. It's like, does all that I am praise the Lord? Or have I kind of subdivided my life, and when things are going good, when things are going great, then yeah, I'm really good about praising God and thanking Him and having a heart that's grateful, but when things are not so good, am I thankful? Do I praise him? I mean, what, what moves me? And then I think, well, what moved David 
to write those words, let all that I am praise the Lord. And so I, I, I was just kind of wondering, and I don't know any of this for a fact, but I just wondered, I wonder, you know, where David was when he wrote this. Did he get up early one morning and see the sun come, you know, up over the walls of Jerusalem and sat there? You know, if you've ever seen a beautiful sunrise? Some of you don't know that happens every morning. Um, comes up, you know, and there's usually colors and all that. But I wonder if he was seeing that, or maybe a sunset, you know, it was like, whoa, God just painted the sky. And he began to write these words. Or maybe he was watching his kids and his grandkids play and he was just struck in the midst of challenges and, you know, the, probably the headache and the heartache of being a king and all that came with that. Seeing his family gathered around him, probably just thinking, man, I'm the most blessed guy in the world. I don't know. Or maybe it didn't come in a real great moment. Maybe it came when stuff was really going sideways and he was frustrated and maybe angry and, and just feeling like, ah. Oh. And you know what happens when we start going on that downward cycle and we start looking at everything through this like really negative lens, right? Stuff goes on and then we're going, oh, everything's messed up. My life is messed up. My, my family's messed up, you know, what's wrong with me? And we start doing all those things, and where's God in this, and how come everything's messed up? It's so easy to just start rolling down that negative hill. And maybe that's where David was. And when he, he writes this, if you notice the first couple of verses, he says, let everything that is within me praise the Lord with my whole heart. Some versions say this, uh, you know, I'll praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Like he's talking to himself. He's talking to his own soul. And I wonder if he was in a negative place, if his soul was going, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Pull back a little bit and see what God's really doing. Have you ever heard that old saying, this guy said, um, I complained because I had no shoes until I saw a man with no feet. You ever heard that phrase? It's like someone who's complaining and looking at their situation and going, ah, it's this and it's this. And then the lens backs up a little bit and it's like, oh, yeah, some people walk a much harder path. Suddenly my situation gets put in context. And maybe this was one of those things where David's lens backed up a little bit and he went, oh, you know what? My God has forgiven all my sins. And my God is the one who crowns me with love and kindness. My God is the one who, who is so good and doesn't, doesn't hold my past against me. Let all that is within me praise his name. Maybe that's what it came out of. And in these first verses, he, he thinks of this relationship that he has with God, and it's that whole, ah, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna praise God. And then he goes on and he kind of repeats the same kind of chorus a little bit, let all that's within me praise his holy hand. And then he says, and may I never forget the good things that he's done for me. And then at the very end, he, he shifts from the, what he's facing right now in life and all his circumstances to, man, oh, my God is the God who's on the throne. And angels, you better be praising him because he is good. Now I want you to kind of flip the lens a little bit and look into your own heart and your own life. We have been blessed with nearly every opportunity, provision, comfort, freedom. Life isn't perfect. We all go through our stuff. 
You may be going through a really difficult time right now. I'm not trying to diminish that. But we so often forget to just be grateful and thank God for all that he has done in us and all that he does for us. And I think it says something about our soul when we somehow lose the ability to be grateful. I think in some ways it's an indicator that something is out of sync. Something isn't operating just right. It's like, you know, when your washing machine gets out of balance and loaded to one side, you've had that happen, and all of a sudden, bang, 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 you know, your washer's doing that, and it's like, oh, something's wrong, something's out of, out of sync in this. Sometimes our souls get out of sync, and we cease to be grateful, and there's this unhealthiness that takes root within us. I mean, think about it. What, what, what does this say of a person who good things have been done for them, and they don't even acknowledge it? There's absolutely no gratitude there. What happens when, when, when someone has gone over the top, overboard, just, just to, to bless someone completely, and, and instead, they just simply forget about it. They're blind to it. We even have a word for that. We say that that person is ungrateful. There's actually a lot more words that we sometimes call people like that, but ungrateful is a, a fairly nice one to say. And I would guess that every single one of us in this room literally every single one of us, at some time in our life, have gone out of our way to do something really nice for someone. Maybe your spouse, maybe your family, maybe a friend, maybe just some of your coworkers. And man, you spent extra time and energy and effort, maybe even money to do something really nice. And you know, when they're about to like see it or experience it or unwrap it or whatever that thing may be, there's this part in you, and I know, that you kinda wanna go, Ta-da! Like, did you see what I did? Look, look, but you don't want to be a jerk, so we've learned how to like hold that back. And then the person opens it or experiences it and like nothing. And you're like, well, well, don't you realize what I did? Don't you realize what I put out? Don't you realize the, the effort that I, that I did? And there's a part of us that's just like, like why even try, right? It's frustrating. If you're a parent, I guarantee you've done those things for your kids. You've driven them all over, you've gone to things, and it sometimes feel like they're ungrateful. And it's really easy for us to go, kids today. But I'm talking about us, us. Like, do we forget the good things that God has done? Do we ignore them? Do we just simply move on to the next thing? And I ask myself the question, is this something we do today? And it's like, absolutely, I think we all do it at times. David says, I don't wanna ever forget the good things you've done, but sometimes we just scoot right on past that. The Apostle Paul wrote this book, Second Timothy, to this young man named Timothy uh, about his leadership and what was happening in the church. It's a really interesting book. Um, but in Second uh, Timothy chapter three, he gives Timothy 19 serious characteristics about their culture back then. But I'm telling you, it's a mirror of 21st century culture. And he says, what you will face in those culture are things that are hard to handle, handle, terrible, evil things that are gonna arise. And you're gonna see it come out in people. And he begins to list them. He says, people are gonna be lovers of themselves. Like above anything else, it's gonna be all about me and what I want and forget about you. And it says they'll be lovers of money and they'll be boastful and arrogant and unholy and unforgiving and brutal. 
And he names all these like deeply disturbing things. But in that list are also mixed up some things that we go, oh, that seems a little out of sync because he also says they'll be disobedient to parents. And we look at unholy and unforgiving and brutal and think, whoa, oh man, disobedient to parents doesn't seem like it fits. But Paul is giving us some of the places that these things start. See, you you don't start out by being unforgiving and unholy and brutal and evil. You start out by rebelling against your parents. And I'm not gonna listen to you, I'm only gonna listen to me, and, and conflating that. And the result of that is some of these deeper things. But at the very beginning of that list, he uses a word of these characteristics that are inherent of our culture. And you know what one of them is? Ungrateful. That there's something in us that can't even acknowledge that we've been given good gifts. And so we assume that we deserve them and we're owed them. And and we, we come from that mentality, which leads to some of these deeper things. One author wrote this, the strange characteristic of ingratitude is that it's the most hurting of all the sins because it's the blindest of all the sins. And I read that and I had to stop and think about it for a little. It's like the blindest of all the sins. But when we're ungrateful, what we're saying is, what you've done, God, I don't even see it. It doesn't even matter. It comes back to that pride, I deserve it, I want it, it's owed to me, so there's no gratitude given to you. Well, I think you're like me, you don't wanna be blind and you don't wanna be ungrateful. I wanna live in a place and operate from a place of thankfulness. I want my soul to come alive to all that God has done in me and for me. So I wanna challenge you today, and I'm gonna give you, there's actually five things I'm gonna give you, five points which seems like we're gonna be here for a really long time, but they're really short, okay? But I wanna challenge you with these five places of thankfulness that come from Psalm 103 as we head into this Christmas season to immerse yourself in gratitude. The first one is this. Thank God for his complete forgiveness. His complete forgiveness. In Psalm 103.3 it says this, he forgives all my sins. Now, some of you have your Bible out, some of you just have the note sheet, but whichever one you have, I want you to circle the word all. And I give you permission to write in your Bible. To circle the word all. Because it's easy to blaze through that and go, well, yeah, I, I know that he forgives, but no, no, he forgives all our sin. You ever stop to think about that? You see, one of the powers of that statement right there, one of the things that makes it so deep is that it makes us recognize when we say that, that there was sin to forgive in the first place. That we are sinners saved by grace. We have a song that goes along with it, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Wretch like me, right? I once was blind, but now, uh, well, I once was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. So, these powerful words, but we recognize that we are sinners saved by grace. And there was nothing we could do. We couldn't somehow fix ourselves. We couldn't be our own savior. We couldn't be our own rescuer. We needed Jesus, and we still do. Someone a few years ago tried to rewrite the words of that song, and they put, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved someone like me. Sorry, we were wretches. That's the case. Sin wrecked us. But Jesus has come to offer complete 
forgiveness. And it's easy to forget that. Look at verse 10 of Psalm 103. Uh, David says, he does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. You know what? We can thank God for that. I'm sure all of us have been in a situation when we're facing something and we kind of go, this is so unfair. There's no justice here. And you may be absolutely right. You may be facing a situation that is completely unfair. And they, oh, I'd say that is a really hard place to be, I know. But have you ever kind of flipped the script and asked yourself this question? What if I really got what I deserved? What if God paid me back equally for my sin, for my rebellion, for my, for my stain? What if he actually gave me what I deserved? Man, that's, a, that's an eye-opening, kind of challenging question. Kind of scary to think if I really got what I deserved. But in verse 12, he tells us this, our sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. So I want you to think back, I want you to think back just even to this past week, then this past month, then think of what life would have been like if God had never forgiven you, if you carried around the weight of your sin. You might even wanna just kind of play the recording of 2023 and how your life has been and the things that you've done, the choices that you've made and recognize that he has forgiven all of your sin. Write this down for number two. Thank God for his healing. Thank God for his healing. The end of verse three, David writes this, and he heals all my diseases. When we thank God for healing, it means that something needed his touch in our lives. And I wonder, were you sick this year? Chances are, some of us in this room were really sick. We faced some very difficult health issues. And what's impressive to me is that David doesn't write, he diagnoses all your diseases. Because we have great doctors and great medical teams and great specialists who do a great job at saying, this is the cause. But the Bible tells us again and again that he is our healer. And guess what? God does use doctors and specialists and medicine and all those things. But ultimately, he is the great physician and he is the one who heals. But here's the other side. David isn't just talking about the diseases of the body. I think he includes that. But remember at the very beginning, when, when he goes back and he says, I'm gonna praise the Lord with, with all that I am, to my whole heart, or as some versions say, oh my soul, he's talking to his, the deepest innermost parts of his life. And he's like, he's pointing at himself going, hey guys, remember all that God has done and we're gonna praise him for this. But in talking with his soul and the healing of diseases, you realize David's saying, God, thank you for healing the diseases of my soul. Those inner things that a doctor could never diagnose, that a medicine could never cure. Inner diseases of, of hate and pride and revenge, stubbornness and bitterness, lust and envy. It's going, God has been doing a healing work in me. And that's why gratitude is such an incredible indicator of the state of our soul. And when we find ourselves living in that place of, of being ungrateful and unthankful, there's something that's polluting us deep inside. And God wants to expose that and heal that. Right, so now for number three. Thank God for rescuing me. Thank God for rescuing me. Verse four, it says this, he ransoms me 
from death. Some versions put it in a much more graphic way. They say this, he has rescued me from the pit. From the pit. Doesn't that sound like a great place to be? Where do you hang out? I'm in the pit right now. We even say that, this is the pits, right? We use a phrase. But you know what that, that word means? It literally means to be in ruin, to be in destruction or in corruption. But he saves my life from the pit, from that place of destruction. And it's a, it's a twofold uh, kind of reference. It's a reference to the moment of salvation. That we remember when we were lost, when we were stuck, and we could not save ourselves. We could not be our own savior. And the Bible says that we were in that place of pit. Sin had separated us from God. And Jesus came, and he went to a cross, and he gave up his life, and he took it up again on the third day, resurrected from the dead, to bring us life and forgiveness and hope and a reconciliation to the Father. And we can say, thank you, God, for that. One of the prophets says, don't ever forget the pit from which we've been rescued. What a perfect picture of where we were. You remember about 10-ish years ago, there was this group of 33 Chilean uh, miners. They actually made a movie about it. And they were trapped underground, like mile underground or something. It was this crazy distance. And it didn't matter how smart they were, how educated they were, how strong they were, how often they went to the gym, how how passionate they were, they were stuck. And there was no way that they could rescue themselves. Literally impossible. And if you saw the story, they eventually were rescued and all those things happened. But I think it's sometimes hard for us to think about being in a position where we cannot do anything. Because I think most of us, and I, I, I'm, I'm with you, there's that part, it's like, well, there's gotta be something I can do, right? We even say that. Well, like, what can I do? And what we, what we kind of believe is there's, there's something we can do, there's some little piece that we can rescue ourselves. I will be the first to admit that I have, I would call it like a Superman complex. Okay, I don't know if that's a psychological issue or not, but here's the thing. There's this part of me that thinks in these weird situations, I think I could, I think I could survive. I think I could make it. So recently I was on a plane flight. Uh, I was on our mission strip and had to come back early. So I flew uh, from Tijuana to Fresno, but you can't fly direct. So I flew from Tijuana to Guadalajara and then all the way to Fresno. So it was a whole day of flight. That's when my eye went bad, all those things happened. So I was sitting and paid a little extra to sit in the uh, exit row, the emergency exit row. And I tried to do that, not because I wanna be first out of the plane in case of an emergency. It's total legroom thing, that's all it is. So I pay a little bit extra and sit in there, but every time I'm in the exit row, there's this part of me that says, what would I do if there actually was an emergency? And I've read the cards and I've heard the explanation and here's how you get to get the door off and if you're over water, the, you know, the raft comes out, all those things happen. But I've often thought if I was in that situation, what would I do? And we've all read about plane crashes and where everyone was killed on board and those really sad, tragic things. But I'm telling you, there's that part of me that went, I think I could survive. 
I think I could survive. Like if the plane was going down, like I could take the door off and right before it hits, I could jump out and I would roll. And I, I mean, it's like these crazy things, like somehow I'm gonna survive that. And yet three days ago, I'm having a hard time getting up and down the ladder, putting the Christmas lights on, but I'm sure I can get out of a plane that's plummeting in the sky, right? It's kind of these fantasies that we have that like, I'm sure I can do it, I'm sure I can make it. But what about those situations when you can't? like those miners, it was impossible. They needed a rescuer. And you and I need a rescuer. And that's who Jesus is. And that's what our salvation is all about. But it's also a here and now thing. Because oftentimes we climb back into the same old pit of habits and sin. And we're torn on the inside because a part of us doesn't want to, and a part of us wants to jump right back in again. That's the battle that we face, the tension that goes on. Paul talked about it over and over. He says, the things I don't want to do, man, I do, and the things I know I should do, I don't do. Paul, the apostle Paul, understood the battle that we face. But David reminds us that we praise God and we thank him with all that we are because he rescues us from the pit over and and over and over again. He doesn't say, that's it, forget it, I'm just gonna put the dirt in and bury it once and for all. He continues to rescue us. Thank God for that. Write this down for number four. Thank God for his love and his mercy. Verse four finishes with this, and he surrounds me with love and tender mercies. Then look, look down at verse eight. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You know the incredible thing about grace, the incredible thing about tender mercy and, and deep love that he has for us? Is he brought us into his family without a probation period. See, you can't even start a job nowadays without them saying, hey, welcome to the company, we're glad you're here. Now you realize for the first 90 days you're on probation and you don't get benefits and you don't get these things because really this 90 days is we're kind, of, we're kind of seeing how this works for you and for us and so we're checking that out. So yes, you're an employee, but you're not all the way in just yet. You know, God doesn't do that. I mean, imagine if we came to Jesus and said, forgive me of my sin, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, I'm gonna follow you. And Jesus says, you are forgiven, you are made whole, welcome to the family. However, for the first 90 days, you know, the reason you got here is you've been kind of messing up and you need to get that all kind of cleaned up and straightened out because we can't have you dragging that stuff into the family of God, so you gotta figure. It's like he doesn't do that. Instead, the Bible says that he invites us in and he says, you are now my sons and my daughters. No probation. No, we'll see if it works out. No, you gotta prove yourself, none of those things. You're on the inside. You're his family right now. That's grace. And he crowns us, it says, with love and compassion. And I'll tell you, if you forget everything else, don't forget that his love and his compassion crown our lives. Let me finish with this one. Thank God for his good gifts his good gifts. Verse five in Psalm 103 says, he fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagles. He doesn't say that our life is always gonna be perfect, that there's gonna be no problems or complications. 
but that he brings satisfaction to our lives. He's the giver of good gifts. That he provides what satisfies us deep so that our strength and our passion and our very life is renewed like the eagles, like we take wing again in him. Again, even if we're in a storm, even when things are, are challenging, that his, his position over us is one of imparting blessing and renewal for our very souls. And I'll tell you, you can't generate that on your own. It is a gift from Jesus. So, I wanna challenge you with something as we end our time today. Um, Thanksgiving, as I said earlier, is in our rear view mirror, right? But coming up is the busyness of December. And we think, oh yeah, December, Christmas, the birth of Christ, yeah, oh, that's good. No, 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 no. It's the birth of our rescuer, the one who's, who saves us. It's not just a holiday. Take that word apart and take it back to its roots. It's a holy day. It's a day of remembrance and praise and celebration. That God himself has given his very own son to be born on this planet. Isn't that just crazy to think of? So that he would one day give his life to rescue us. Man. And not anybody could do that. He's the one, he's the only who can bring us life and hope and freedom. So how do we approach this season with humble hearts? How do we approach this season echoing David's words with my whole heart, my whole soul? I wanna praise you, God. I wanna thank you for all that you've done. I think we have to be intentional about it. I think we have to actually like spell it out. So here's my challenge. In just a few minutes, I'm gonna let you go. You guys are gonna maybe grab a cup of coffee, chat with a few people, and then you're gonna head out to your car. And I'm gonna do the finger pointing here, so this is serious, right? Before you start your car, I want you to stop for a moment, and I want you to get your phone out, and I want you to go to, every phone has like a notes app or something on it, do that. Or if you don't have that, send yourself a text or send yourself an email, but I want you to get your phone out before you start your car. And then I want you, to, I have one on mine, and I just wrote thankful. And I want you to write down seven things that you're thankful for. Now, you can duplicate some of the things that I shared with you today, but please, please make them personal. Don't just go, thank God for his complete forgiveness. Don't just duplicate this sheet. What are you thankful for? And don't, don't second guess, don't go, oh, that's kind of trivial or whatever. Just write down, just. Top of your head, seven things that you're thankful for. And I want you to use that during this season to go back to again and again and again. You can say, this is what I'm thankful, and be curious about that. Why am I thankful for that? What is it? Dig a little deeper on it and see what God may want to do as you go through this season of not forgetting the good things that he's done for us not forgetting the good things that he's done for you. And let that be the source of your praise and your thanks and your gratitude to God. Before you start your car, if you rode with someone today and they get in and start turning the car, uh, 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 stop them right there. And you can have an argument later about it, but right then you're, you're gonna get this on your phone. And let it ride with you all through this season. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you 
for all that you've done, for forgiving all of our sin, for healing our diseases, even the diseases of the soul, those things that infect us. Lord, thank you for your good gifts. Thank you for your love and compassion. Thank you, God, for all that you do. And Lord, I'm the first one to admit that, man, it's so easy just to keep blazing through my day, going on to the next thing and not, not holding in the moment a heart of gratitude. So Lord, let this season be an intentional step of humbling our hearts and praising and honoring and thanking you for all that you do. We love you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me? So we're gonna end today doing something a little bit different. We're gonna sing a song and we're gonna do it a cappella. And for you non-musical people, that means it's just our voices. No instruments playing behind us. And we're gonna sing a song that I think many of you know. Um, It's hundreds of years old. And it was written as as really just a brief moment of thanks and praise to God. And it's called the doxology. Um, But I want, if you don't know it, that's okay, but this song has special meaning to me growing up. I remember my grandfather singing this at Thanksgiving and at Christmas and family times. And it was just this, we're gonna stop before we do anything else and we're gonna thank our God. So would you sing this with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Amen. Go and live in his blessing today. You're dismissed.